I would like to uh, read a story to you today. And throughout the Christmas season, I love to find stories in various periodicals and to uh, find somewhere in the Advent season where I could read them. And perhaps what's happening now is just the fact that throughout this season, with sermon preparation and all, I just never found the right place to insert a story. So today I'm going to read a story, and that'll be the conclusion. And I hope that this story speaks to your heart as much as it has to mine over the years. It's written by Harriet Ritchie, and it's called He'd Come Here. And it was first published in the Christian Century magazine about uh, 11 years ago. After the Christmas Eve service, my husband, if we could turn the monitors off, I think it'd help. Uh, After the Christmas Eve service, my husband announced that he was hungry for breakfast. There must be some place open, he muttered. We piled into the car and our sons quickly ordered for, placed his order for three hamburgers. After driving around a while, we headed down the interstate and finally found a place at a truck stop. By now the children were sleepy. My husband led us to the door. The jukebox was playing something like, when you leave, walk out backwards so I'll know you're coming in. The only suggestions of Christmas were the multicolored blinking string lights around the large front window. The air smelled of coffee, bacon, and stale cigarette smoke. At the counter was a one-armed man in a baseball cap drinking from a Pepsi bottle. Two other men sat around the table talking, eating, and drinking. At such an hour, I couldn't help but wonder where they had come from or where they were going. We chose a booth beside the blinking lights so the children could see if the lights would make their faces change colors. A thin woman named Rita came to take our order. She looked like any waitress would look that had been unlucky enough to draw the late shift on Christmas Eve. Old for her years, I guessed. She wore her hair tucked up behind her ears the way I do mine when it won't do anything else. Rita managed a weary-looking smile as she handed us the menus. Our son was holding the salt shaker upside down, spilling salt onto his hands and licking it. I gave him a stare and looked up in time to see Rita wink at him. No hamburgers, we told the children. This is breakfast. They moaned and ordered pancakes with sausage, then defiantly ate the sausage between the pancakes, hamburger style. (laughs) This wasn't my first breakfast at 1 a.m., but the others had always been on somebody else's china. The snob in me was enjoying feeling out of place in this truck stop. Years from now, I thought, we'll laugh and say, remember Christmas we ate breakfast at that truck stop? That awful music and those tacky lights? I was staring out the window thinking such thoughts when an old Volkswagen with Texas license plates and an overload of luggage drove up. A bearded young man in in jeans got out. He walked around and opened the door for a young woman who was holding a baby. They hurried inside and took a booth near the back. Where are you headed, somebody asked them. I couldn't hear the answer, but I imagined grandparents someplace anxiously waiting to see their grandchild for the first time. As Rita took their order, the baby started to cry. The father lifted the baby to his shoulder, but it didn't help. Rita poured them coffee. The mother took the baby and began rocking it in her arms. Why doesn't the baby stop crying, our daughter asked. She probably wants something to eat, I told her, remembering all the times I'd tried to drink a quick cup of coffee before a feeding, as if on cue the baby would demand immediate attention. (laughs) 
The mother picked up the diaper bag and started to leave. She held the baby's neck, head quiet, uh, tightly against her neck as so to muffle the crying. Rita reached out her arms like this. Drink your coffee, hon. Let's see what I can do, she said. There was something about the way Rita took the infant that made me think she'd raised a half dozen or more of her own. She began talking, walking, and playing with the baby. Rita showed the baby to the man with one arm in the baseball cap. He began to whistle and make silly faces, and the baby stopped crying. Rita showed her the blinking lights and the lights on the jukebox. She brought her over to us. Just look at this little darling, she said. Mine are so big and grown. The one-armed fellow took a pot of coffee from the burner and started to wait on tables. As he finished filling our mugs, I felt tears in my eyes. My husband said, what's wrong? Nothing, just Christmas, I told him, reaching into my purse for a Kleenex and a quarter. Go see if you can find a Christmas song in the jukebox, I told the children. When they were gone, I said, he'd come here, wouldn't he? Who? Jesus. If Jesus were born in our town tonight, and if the choices were our neighborhood, the church, or this truck stop, he'd come here, wouldn't he? He didn't answer right away, but looked around the place and looked at the people. Finally, he said, either here or the homeless shelter. That's what bothers me, I said. When we first got here, I felt sorry for these people because they probably aren't going to neighborhoods where the houses have candles in the windows and wreaths on the door. And listening to that awful music, I thought, I'll bet nobody here has even heard of Handel. Now I think that more than any place, I know, more than any place I know, this is where Christmas is, but I don't belong. As we walked to the car, my husband put his hand, his arm around me. Remember, Remember what the angel said. I bring good news of great joy to all people. Thanks, I said, but I wasn't reassured. The houses in our neighborhood were dark. As we passed the Milfords, I wondered what Christmas Day would be like for them. Their daughter had died in a car accident during the summer. Next door was Jack McCarthy's house. Jack had lost his job. A little farther down the street lived the Baileys, whose marriage was hanging together by the slimmest thread. Mrs. Smith's grown son had died from AIDS. Maybe we're not so different from the truck stop people after all, I thought. After we tucked the children in bed, I picked up the Bible and read, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then I found the Christmas story in Luke and read it again just to be sure it did say, I bring good news to all people. Many Christmases have passed since that night. I still believe that Jesus would be born in what I'd, rather, what I'd call a rather unholy place. But rich, poor, or in between, we are all poor in spirit. We all have more unhappy memories than anyone would guess and burdens that we never share. In the endless, sometimes meaningless daily grinds, 
in the comings and goings of our lives, our souls are often far from home, whether we know it or not. In the places where we are broken, in the dark holes where something is missing, in the silence of unanswered questions, the wondrous gift is given. Please bow with me. Lord, we thank you for the wondrous gift, for the unspeakable gift, for the gift given long ago in the person of Jesus. And we thank you that by your word and your spirit, in some ways we understand the gift. We've received it, and we bless your name. Amen.